to the Feed You podcast, giving you the real scoop on raising your business to new heights. Expert education, inspiration, and motivation to fuel your purpose, your passion, and your profits. Here's your host, Elisa Connor. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Feed You Podcast. I'm Elisa Connor, and I'm your host. Thanks so much for tuning in today in this uh, third, second, third week of January. I guess it's the, officially the third week of January. And uh, I appreciate you being here. How is the new year going? I'm wondering how, um, if things are rolling along, if you did some planning that we talked about um, in, um, I can't remember what episode that was, but it was uh, middle of December, December 18th actually is when that episode came out when we were talking about planning for uh, next year. And then uh, in episode 69, I also talked about 90 day goals. So I'm just, I wanna check in, see how things are going. If you guys, um, yeah, episode 67 and then uh, 69. So wanna know uh, how planning is going and um, how how you're reaching your goals or if you're getting to your goals or if you have a, a pathway to your goals. But I want to, um, we're gonna take a little bit different direction and I wanna take a minute to kind of tell you the difference between branding and marketing. And I um, have helped people with their branding and I continue to help um, one-on-one clients with their branding, but there is a misnomer about there, out there amongst a lot of people that you need to have a really solid brand and focus all of your attention and effort into branding. And I am going to debunk that myth a little bit today and instead encourage you to focus on your marketing. So it was put very clearly to me um, by one of my mentors at one point in my journey that um, marketing is how you get people to notice your business and what you do and who you are. And branding is how you get them to remember you. And so they really do work hand in hand, but a lot of people try to start with branding. And um, there's a lot of overlay of components that go into a brand that you also need for marketing. And so am I saying you you don't need branding? Absolutely, you need branding, but you probably don't need to spend a fortune on it. Um, and if you are going to invest in branding, I'm going to tell you um, sneak peek, uh, which component to spend your money, where to spend your money um, when you're getting started. Because a lot of times the budget is a consideration, especially when you have other pieces of your business that you have to invest in. Um, For example, if you have a brick and mortar and you are getting a restaurant up and going or you're getting um, a winery or a brewery or something in that landscape, there's a lot of investment that goes into that. I have a, a client right now that just opened a distillery and they have six months before that they, they have six months to create product before they can ever sell it. It's gotta sit there. And prior to that, he had to invest all the money to create the stills, to meet federal requirements because there's federal liquor, liquor laws, local liquor laws, um, state liquor laws. And so there's all these hoops that you have to jump through, especially in that industry. And all that time, you can be growing your audience with marketing, um, getting them ready. But a lot of people don't do that. And especially even in the restaurant space, you know, when you're gonna open a restaurant, it takes a lot of time to get the building going, to get the crew hired, to um, create your menus, to print the menus, to um, design the restaurant, all of the different components that, you know, go into building that out during that time, a lot of people are like, oh, I need to focus on my brand. I need to be doing this. But really what you need to be doing is having a solid marketing plan that is 
engaging those people, attracting them, giving them some sort of reason to stay connected with you so that when you do open and you do announce your opening and grand opening, you can um, invite them as special guests to your grand opening. So what is it when we talk about branding you know what are the benefits of branding well there there are a lot of benefits and most of them all lean towards you creating a way for people to remember you um so that comes through messaging it comes through fonts it comes through colors it comes through imagery it comes through um any kind of photos, all of those things need to be coordinated. So that's what we're gonna talk about in this episode. But before I dive into all of those different elements, let's take a minute and hear from our sponsor. Hey there, Elisa here. I wanted to thank you for a minute for tuning in every week and I'm hoping that you're listening and learning and getting everything you can out of this podcast. But I'm wondering, do you listen every week and you learn something new and then you just go on about your day and never implement or execute? If you do, if that's you, you're not alone. You're like most typical business owners. You don't have time to figure out this marketing stuff on your own, which is why I'm creating the Simple Marketing System program to walk you through everything we talk about in this podcast and hold your hand as you go along. People pay thousands of dollars to work with me on a one-on-one basis, but I wanted to be able to offer this to everyone at a price that is amenable to everyone's budget. Since you're a podcast listener, you're getting to hear about this program first. I'm launching it in January, and I'm going to teach you all the things that we learned in this podcast, including how to attract the people you want to work with, not just everyone, how to create your first free download with messaging that converts people into your email list and then into customers. We're going to create, we're going to learn how to write headlines that incite people to create, to take action and move those people along your sales funnel so that they start working with you and paying you for what you do. We're going to create a system to track what's working and what's not so you can fix what's not working. We're going to automate your marketing process and your customer attraction process so that you can save time, money, and most of all frustration. We're also going to understand the power of and the ROI of email marketing and we're going to begin growing your email list because it is the best way to grow your business. And last but not least, we're going to show, I'm going to show you how to get more customers for your marketing dollars and save you time, money, and get you more leads and more sales. If this sounds interesting to you, I'd love to have you join my waitlist. You can do that over at alisaconnor.com forward slash SMS waitlist. SMS stands for Simple Marketing System. And I'll put the link in the show notes. I hope to see you inside. So let's hop into those different components. Now I've been doing branding for companies for probably three or four years now. Um, and it's been one of those components. I think I, I've, I told you guys the story before how I started my business and it has evolved to include things that are problems that people would bring to me. And one of the things that a lot of people would focus on was their branding. And when um, I dove into it with them, what really was the issue wasn't branding at all. It was instead, um, that they, they weren't properly marketing their business. And the reason that is the case is that um, <clears throat> they weren't big enough or weren't memorable enough yet to have a brand. So when we look at brands, well-successful brands, 
you're looking at um, companies like Apple and Nike and Coca-Cola um, and Google and all of these, even Facebook, they all have a face and a name, but they also have some very um, strategic components that have been in, put in place so that when they pop up in front of people, they are instantly recognized and they're inst instantly remembered, but that has all come after people have been made aware of and have purchased their product. So if you know you had um, bubble, actually that's not a good one because there is like bubbly is like a new water, but I was just trying to think of like some random brand and they just came out and they started um, putting out random questions, you know, um, <clears throat> commercials about their product, but nobody knew what it was, it would fall flat. And so you have to build up the momentum for your product and service with marketing and connecting with your audience. And then once you have that, you use branding to stay in front of them and to get them to either come back and become a repeat customer or to introduce something new. And so um, there are some really strategic components of branding that I want to make you aware of. And I'm going to tell you towards the end, the one that you should focus um, the big chunk of your budget on. So um, the first thing, let's talk about colors. Now, a lot of times when I work with people um, on their branding, they want to choose colors that are their favorite colors, which is great. I mean, you can totally do that if you have a personable brand that's, you know, around you being a consultant or something like that. But what I would recommend and what I recommend to them, and I'm going to recommend it to you as well, is you really need to look at your colors and see how they're going to resonate with your audience. Um, if you're going after a bunch of male CEOs that are very corporately um, rooted and, um, you know, they're very corporate and professional and you're going after them with a really curly font that's pink, you're probably not going to have a lot of traction because there's just no connection there. They're not relating to who you are. They're not relating to, you know, anything that you're putting out there. So take into consideration, you know, what not only resonates with you, but does it also resonate with who you want to serve? And then um, what I recommend for colors is that you choose two to three um, foundational colors that you stick with. And usually they're in the same color family. So if you're going to choose blue, choose like two or three shades of blue. And then you'll want to also have um, a, a two or three colors of a neutral. So a lot of times that looks like black, white, and gray, or it could look like an off-white, um, brown, and um, white. And those are your, your neutrals. So those become the backgrounds of your landing pages, the background of your website. Um, anytime you want to highlight text, um, especially paragraphs. So you want to make it very easy for eyeballs to look at it. And then the other color that you, that you, or the other color family you want to look at is your accent colors. So typically I recommend two to three and not more lean on the side of less is more because when you have too many colors going on in your website, it becomes overwhelming to the eyeballs, which means it becomes overwhelming to your audience. So the less colors you have, unless you're using them to highlight information or really draw attention to specific things. So the example that keeps coming to mind in my head is you probably want an accent color to draw them to take action on your opt-in or take action to book an appointment with you or whatever your call to action would be, that would be where you would use an accent color. So use them, but use them sparingly and don't overwhelm them by having the entire rainbow of colors on any kind of branding or marketing and specifically online marketing. 
Now what's important with creating those colors, and I always use hex codes, which is hex codes are a way uh, that the internet differentiates color. So a lot of times when you're creating a website, you need a hex code, and there are three different code color types out there, but I'm just gonna talk about hex codes today because I don't wanna overwhelm you, but a hex code basically is a pound signed followed by a combination of letters and numbers. And when you can create uh, your color palette and determine what your hex codes are, then it's easy for you to mimic them across everything you do. So whether you're creating a piece of marketing material in Canva and you want to know what colors you used on your website, or if you're working with someone to develop your brand and you're like, I need to know my hex code so I can create a color palette over here in, in Canva, you know what they are, you know it's going to look the same, and you know that all of your coloring is going to match across your business card, your emails, your uh, stationery, if you have any kind of direct mail, your website, your social media, sites, all of that will have the same color palette. And what that does to the human brain is when you create a palette and you continue to use it over and over and over again, it tells the people that are seeing it, oh, there they are again. Oh, I see those colors. You know who that makes me think of? And it's creating repetition in their mind so that they are relating not only colors, because we'll go into the other details too, but specifically color, the brain looks at color differently than words or photos or anything else. Um, it kind of categorizes it in your mind. So if you have a color palette that you stick to and that is related to your brand, you're going to become more memorable just, just based on color. People will start to remember, oh yeah, I've had people come up and go, oh yeah, your colors are pink and black and white. I'm like, yep, they are. And um, that has become memorable with who I am. So a lot of times you'll see, even in my social posts, those are the colors that I, that I continue to use again and again and again. And it creates a very cohesive feel. And when you have things that are cohesive and stay the same, it relaxes the brain, which makes the person relax as well. And so they aren't stressed out about trying to figure out who you are, what you do, because it's, it's all laid out for them, just like a little gentle plan. So that is colors. The other thing you need to look at as a branding component is your logo. And a lot of times people will, cre will create logos that make zero sense to anyone but them. And that causes confusion. And I'm telling you right now, confusion does not sell. When people are confused, they don't make decisions because they don't know which decision is the best one to make. So the less confused you can leave them and the less attached you can become to your logo, your colors, your tagline, whatever it is that you've already created, the less attachment you have to it and the more flexibility you have to making it relatable to your customers, the faster you're gonna get to your goals. So when you're looking at your logo, there's a few things to take into consideration. One, is it memorable? Two, does it in some way explain or say what you do? Three, is, is it some kind of mysterious code that only you understand, because if it is, we need to change it. And four, um, if you have an image that is, you know, maybe not discernible to most people, do you have some sort of tagline to explain what that image means? So the one that comes to mind currently, as I'm talking about this, is um, there's, oh, I'm trying to think it's a computer, it's a computer part or component that has a little E and it's for Microsoft. So I'm thinking of the E that's um, 
part of the Microsoft logo. And I think it stands for Microsoft Edge. Well, if you just saw that E and you didn't know that it related to Microsoft, you'd be like, what the heck? They already have an established brand. So let me clarify that. Microsoft has an established brand, so they can get away with it. But if it was your business and your new business was e-mattresses, I don't, I'm just making things up right now, but e-mattresses and you just had an E and an like it was next to a mattress, like people aren't going to understand what an e-mattress is. And they're not going to, it's not going to resonate with them because you're not explaining that it's whatever your product would be for e-mattresses. I don't know. I'm just totally winging it on this example, but let's use the example. So Firefox, they have a very interesting logo. It's a fox um, kind of hugging a globe. I don't know how else it kind of looks like it's hugging a globe. But if you first saw that and you didn't know, and some people don't know what Firefox is. If you saw that, you're like, okay, it has a fox, but there's no, I mean, it's kind of fiery, but it's, you know, why are they on the globe? It doesn't make a lot of sense. So you need to have a tagline underneath that logo that says the world's fastest internet browser or something like that. The, that is what I want you to recognize in your business is that as you're establishing a brand, if you don't have a recognizable logo that makes sense to people right away, then you also need to add a tagline in there. The other thing that works really well for logos is to keep them very simple. And there's a lot of thought behind why they need to be more simple, but the more complicated a logo is, the harder it is to put it on other items. So you need different size logos and different types of logos for online marketing than you do for offline. So if you're wanting to print a sign, say for your brick and mortar business, and you create your label or your logo or however you want that to be for your website, it may not print well if it's too complicated on business cards or on signage, or if you need to have something etched, simple is better. So if you can keep in mind, simple, memorable, and explanatory, those are the three things I want you to take away from logos. The next area of your branding that you can create cohesiveness in is, oh, let me back up to logos one more time. So if you're gonna choose a logo, make sure that you're using the same logo. Everything about it should be the same across all of your marketing materials because if you have one logo here and one logo there, it's not creating cohesiveness. If you have a logo that you put on social media and it doesn't match all of the other stuff that you have on your website or vice versa, or you put out an email and it has some weird logo and it doesn't match anything, then the cohesiveness is lost and it only takes a split second to lose somebody's attention between keeping them connected, keeping them connected, keeping them connected. And then all of a sudden they're like, who is this? Because they don't have the connection between this is your logo, this is your colors, this is your fonts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you don't want to lose that connection. You want to keep them on board the entire time so that they're following you just like little breadcrumbs to until you get them to do what you want them to do, whether that's opt-in, join a course, buy a product, whatever that might look like. The next area we want to talk about is imagery. And this is imagery as far as drawings and photos. A lot of people will take just stock photos and slap them on their website and there's really no rhyme or reason. I just had a, a company that I am currently working on a, with a project and they were trying to be really clever on their website and they have a picture of a guy staring off into space with sunglasses on that have their logo on the side of it. And when I was, re when I was looking at it, I was like, this does not relate to your business at all. 
Like there's no connection. They've made no connection between this guy with the sunglasses and what they do. And they are software trainers. So long and short of that example is that you have to connect your images and your branding to what you do. And whenever you're creating, um, whenever you're going to add photos, which I highly recommend because it creates a personalized experience, you work with a brand photographer to do that. And I would say if you could work with a brand photographer and somebody that does branding, you're even better off because you don't want to invest in photos and in um, the time commitment and all, I mean, photos can, can be expensive and it's not something you want to have to repeat because it's a time commitment for you. It's a time commitment for the photographer. There's, um, specific things that need to be identified that you can have done while those photos are being taken so that you can utilize them over and over and over again for all of the different ways you're going to market. So when you're doing that, you want to take into consideration the things we've already talked about, color, your color palette, um, your style, which we're going to get into a little bit more when we talk about fonts. But you also want to um, think about how someone who doesn't know you is going to take a look at the photos and your website overall and start to develop a connection to you without you having to say or do anything that you want them to start connecting to what you do, who you are and how you can help them. So um, think about using non stock photos when you can. And if you are going to use stock photos, then you want to really portray what your brand story is. And we're going to talk about that in a couple minutes when we get to messaging, but you want to look at um, you know, how is it connecting to the rest of the components of your brand? And then when you're using imagery, the one, the one thing I want to share with you about imagery is imagery also includes things like drawings. Um, you may have numbers that are pointing out things, or you may have circles or squares or rectangles or something that is drawing attention to different components of your, of your website and of your brand. And just choose a specific style for those drawings and those icons and such so that it is cohesive across everything. So if your logo, for example, is a square, like Netflix is pretty, it's rectangular. They don't want to go use triangle logos or try not tri logos, triangular icons, because there's again, a disconnect. You want to stick with what is already showing up in the rest of your brand elements and make it consistent. And so if you, when we talk about fonts in a minute, if you have a really scripty font, you don't want to have a really bold font that doesn't match anything else that doesn't align with the other fonts that you've, that you've chosen for those other elements. And I'm talking about, you know, the icons and sometimes there's a little drawing, like maybe there's a stick guy that is a representative of a bullet, uh, bullet point on your, on your website. Just make sure there's consistency across everything in the way that it comes across um, for look and feel. So um, that's what I wanted to share with you about imagery and photos. So the next component is um, your fonts. And there's a few things that I want to share with you. And then I'm going to tell you the basic, there's basically four, let's see, one, two, three, four, maybe five different, I think it's four different types of fonts that you can go after. So I'm going to explain each of those. 
but you wanna make sure when you're choosing your fonts that they are readable on every platform. So again, kind of going back to the same points that I spoke about with your logo, especially in the world of web design. It is possible for you to use scripty fonts and create them as images on your pages so you can create cohesiveness that way. But if you're just uploading a font onto your website and somebody is looking at that website from a different browser and they don't have that font, it's gonna look really weird to them. It's not gonna look the way it's supposed to and um, it's not going to be the optimum user experience. So. Think through your fonts because you have to live with them for a while. And when I go through the different four types, it's gonna help you determine which font families are gonna be best for you. And then the other um, thing that I wanna mention about fonts is that usually you will choose two to three different fonts to utilize in your marketing. And if you're going to do that, be aware that they should connect to each other. Like you shouldn't just have like a scripty font and then like a rock and roll font because it's going to look really weird. You want them to be in the same family and the same dynamic as each other. So kind of take uh, take that into consideration and then also consider again, I apologize that the clock is singing right now. It is, it, it sings every hour on the hour and it just happens to be a very long song so i hope you guys are enjoying that little christmas tune as we're recording today <laughs> but um when you're choosing your fonts i want you to also be aware of again who your audience is and i gave the example earlier that if you're going after corporate america and it's specifically corporate males they're not going to really resonate with a scripty font uh, same would be you know if you have a very feminine brand and you're going after a feminine audience and you go in there with a non-feminine, like very masculine fonts, masculine imagery, you're not gonna have, you're gonna have immediately turning them off. They're gonna think it's not for them. And so just think about, you know, when you're choosing fonts because they say a lot, um, make sure that you're aware, that you're sensitive to your audience's gender, their age, their interests, uh, and that all comes from doing some audience research. So it's okay to do some initial research before you make any decisions about all of this stuff. And I don't want it to stop you from moving forward. So if you have to wait to do some professional branding, it's okay. People rebrand all the time, but just being aware of these few little tricks and tips are going to help you to create cohesiveness so that if you do hire somebody to do your branding later, you already kind of know what you're looking for. And it doesn't mean you can't, I mean, when you rebrand, you can change everything. You can change just a few things or you can change everything. So keep in mind, nothing is written in stone, but that to get off on the right foot to get some traction, you wanna make things as cohesive as possible. And that goes with your fonts and that all comes back to knowing your audience. And we're gonna talk about that in just a few minutes. I'm gonna wrap up the episode with some key focus questions. But before we do that, I want you, um, oh, I was gonna walk through the different fonts that you need. So you'll need two to three different fonts. Um, you'll need one for your headings, which are kind of your larger attention grabbers, whether you're creating a 
hard copy piece of collateral or you're creating something on your website or you're putting a heading on a social media piece or whatever, those fonts should all be the same. And then you would possibly want a second title font. So sometimes there's like a subheading under a heading and that would be, that could be a second font, but you don't have to have three fonts. You could just have a heading font and then the last one is a paragraph font. So anything you're writing that's text related that is going to be smaller and isn't going to, you want it to be very readable and easy for people to be able to get through the content that you're sharing with them. So those would be the three. It would be a paragraph font, which is usually the smaller of the two and pretty straight up. You would have a title font and then possibly a subtitle font. And you can alternate if you have different headings because there are different heading sizes, but you can alternate between those. Or you could have just heading one be this font and then headings two through five could be a different font. And those are just size-based. And then you can determine how to make them connect to the rest of your branding work that you've done and also your personality. So the two big differentiators that are just kind of the basic font types that have been around forever and ever are serif, which have the little curly cues on the end of the letters and sans serif. And those are very straight and blocky and, uh, very patriarchal, I would say. So an example of serif fonts, and they tend to go toward the more traditional, traditional businesses, business type, are companies like Tiffany and Time Magazine. They, if you go and look at their logos, they, they are very crisp and clear, and they kind of just have a little bit of swirl on the edge of the letters. And I, I, um, encourage you to go look up those two logos so you can see what I'm what I'm talking about. And I think I'll actually post them in the blog post so you can just see or in the show notes so you guys can just see the difference between these. So that would be the serif font. Now a sans serif font is more towards um, the modern tech world. So a lot of the, the fonts that you'll see for like Facebook or Google or um, trying to think of another one that's out there that's a tech company, Microsoft, they all use very like straight up. There's no curly cues on the edges. They're, they're just straight letters and very, um, to me, they seem very modern, much more modern and practical. That was the word I was looking for. They're much more practical than uh, traditional. So traditional, I always like to look at traditional as far as, you know, companies that have been around for a really long time and they typically went off of the old school newspaper fonts. So when you're looking at a lot of publishing companies, they they will use a, a serif font. So the other ones that I research or that I found in my research, uh, there's actually three additional types. The other one is a slab serif and they are even more blocky and they kind of remind me of square bubble letters. I don't know if you guys ever did bubble letters when you were a kid, but they're bigger and blockier and they don't have any swirlies on them. And they usually are associated with quality products like Volvo or Sony or Honda. So if you go and look at those, they are very different than your Facebook or your Googles. The Facebook and Google are more rounded, whereas the slab block are very square. 
Um, even though they have similar styles, it's really hard to describe this on a podcast I'm finding. Um, so what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna pull all of those logos and I'm gonna label them in the um, show notes so you can see the difference between these and then it's gonna help you choose which one resonates best with your brand and your personality because that's a big ticket here is like your personality is really should show up in your fonts and if you look at companies like Pepsi and uh, the involvement of what their logos have done it's it's a very interesting history but you know even McDonald's they have a very recognizable font and a lot of the fonts for those larger companies are patented meaning that nobody else can use them so when you get to that level you actually have somebody design a font for you that is very personal to you and your brand and then no one else can use it well legally no one else can use it legally how about that uh the other one that comes to mind is chanel chanel is a font that's out there and it is very recognizable more so probably than anything else they do and so when you look at bigger companies like that they have spent tons and tons of money with a designer to create an actual font for their business so the other let's see so handwritten is the other um the other font that i that is um recognized by a lot of different companies and that you can also utilize in your brand and that would be it looks like handwriting it's pretty easy to understand and so companies like lego and disney they're more casual and artsy those are the people that usually use a handwritten font a lot of times in crafting the crafting space or even the um food space you will find more of a handwritten and then the last one is scripty which is sort of like handwriting but more elegant looking and you see that in companies like instagram they, they are the one that came across um, off the top of my head. Pepsi Cola had that for their, and I'm sure Coca-Cola used a real scripty font when they first started. Very, very different now. But if you go back and look at their original logos, they were very scripty. And that's kind of what you're looking at is if you're wanting to move in the script. So just be aware that if you're going to utilize those scripty fonts that they resonate with your audience, which is where I want to end up. So let's dive into that last component of your branding and wrap up this episode. This is the most important component of your branding will probably be the biggest investment of both time and money, but plays the overall most important role in everything you do from the minute you create your branding forward into your marketing, into your website content, into uh, other content that you're creating, social media posts, all of the gamut. Any way that you're going to market and promote and build a brand around your business needs to come down to creating a clear message. Now, if you've listened to this podcast in the past, you know that I'm a big fan of the Story Brand Framework by Donald Miller. So much so that in April of 2019, I went and became a certified guide. I have seen the results of people implementing this framework into their business through my clients and have seen them upscale their income up to six times. So that is why I'm such a big proponent. Like for you, I've already created three other episodes to talk you through that story brand framework framework and answer some really specific questions that not only apply to your marketing messaging, but to your brand messaging. You can find those 
in episodes number 40, 41, and 42. It was a three-part series, and I will link to those episodes in the show notes for this episode, which you can find at alisaconnor.com forward slash 71. And I will have links to all of those as well as um, some photos of the logos that I talked about just a few minutes ago. But let's focus on the five key areas that you need to be addressing when you're creating your marketing and your brand messaging. And one reminder I want to to tell you before we dive into these questions is that no matter how you're answering answering these questions, make sure that you keep a consistent voice. You don't wanna be jumping all over the place in present, past, tense, you want to stay with one consistent voice and consistent in your message. So focus area number one, you need to answer the question, who do you help? This needs to be really specific, as specific as you can get it. Who are they? How old are they? Do they have a family? Where do they hang out on the weekends? What do they do for fun? Where are they hanging out online? Not just to learn about your product and service. That is where everyone gets stuck. Yes, they have problems, but their problems are a culmination of other things going on in their life. The more you can get to know the person that you want to help, your ideal client, the better off you're going to be and the bigger traction you're gonna get faster. So get to know who you're helping with your product and service. Number two, they have a problem that's keeping them up at night. So you need to figure out how you solve that problem and how do you help them? That is area number two. Your solution is not your product and service. It's how you help them achieve the results, which is solving their problem. So number one, who are they? Number two, how do you help them? Number three, this is important, why do they care? Why do they care that you're gonna help them? Why do they care that you are the solution to their problem? You need to make yourself stand out as the guide that you are in the process of them solving their problem and what it means if they don't solve that problem. Which leads me to number four, your differentiator. So you've already agreed to help them solve their problem. You have identified their problem. You've identified what's going to happen if they don't solve their problem. Well, now you need to show them why you're different than everyone else who's told them that they will solve their problem. Sometimes this is a little bit tricky, which is why it's good to work with somebody who is in the copywriting world and in specifically Um, brand messaging and marketing messaging. So I do have the ability to move forward with me. If you guys want to find out more about that, you can go over to the website and you will find a schedule button to schedule your 30 minute free consultation. Feel free to go do that. Um, But this is where a lot of people get stuck, including people that I work with um, on a consulting basis. They don't know why they're different and they just him and haw around, but that differentiation factor is what will ring the cash register. So make sure you get really clear on why you're different. And it's probably not because you're taller, cuter, smarter, or funnier. I'm just throwing that out there. You need to be really specific about why you're different than everybody else in solving their problem, not why you're different as a person. Last but not least, you need to, and everybody forgets this part, need to tell them how to work with you. Like how do they move forward working with you? And if you don't give them a direct call to action to be able to do that in some way or form in every piece of branding and marketing you do, 
They're just not going to. They're going to move on to the next person who actually answers that question. So that's a wrap. Make sure you cover those five questions in your messaging and spend your mo the most of your marketing budget, your branding budget, and your time getting really clear about that messaging because unclear messaging doesn't sell and clear messaging sells, not only sells, but sells faster. So that's what I've got for you today in the realm of branding. Thanks so much for tuning in. I will see you next week and we will have a brand new episode. Just a quick reminder that the SMS waitlist is now open. If you're interested in joining that course where I walk you through every step of your marketing so you can attract more clients and convert them into customers, go check it out. AlisaConnor.com forward slash SMS waitlist. See you soon.